Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of In Focus. I'm Maddie Mosley. Bailey Grant. And Jessica Bertram. We'll have episodes every other week exploring various genres of music. We will also interview local artists and take a deeper dive into their daily lives. This episode will be focusing on alternative music and feature a local alternative band. Jessica here, and before we have our feature interview, I thought it would be fun to go over some interesting facts surrounding alternative music. Did you know that in the 80s, alternative rock started as a genre of the underground music scene? It didn't become popular until the 90s when Nirvana released the hit song Smells Like Teen Spirit. Speaking of Nirvana, did you know that Kurt Cobain got the idea for the song when fellow rocker Kathleen Hanna wrote on his apartment walls that Kurt smells like teen spirit? He was so inspired that that is what led to their most well-known song, Smells Like Teen Spirit. He was actually fairly disappointed when he found out that Teen Spirit is in fact a deodorant brand. Next up, we'll have local alternative band Red Hill be interviewed by Bailey Grant. Hey In Focus listeners, this is Bailey Grant and I had the opportunity to sit down with a local alternative band. Introducing Red Hill. So I'm Rob Gardner. I do, uh, I'm kind of producer and I do keyboards, piano and stuff like that. Yeah, my name is Spencer Jones and I do vocals and play rhythm guitar. Cool. Can you talk about rhythm guitar? Yeah, it's just, it just means that you're not as good as lead <laughs> guitar. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's, it's, uh, it's nice with, in bands, you get, usually get to have enough room for a couple guitars. So, so that worked out good for me. You guys usually have a few more people in your band, so can you just kind of give them a little introduction of what they do, too? Yeah, so there's uh, uh, Dean Nelson, who is my, my cousin. He plays lead guitar because he's better than me at guitar. <laughs> <laughs> and then my, my brother also does uh, vocals. His name's Benson Jones. So when did you guys form? So you were working on a project. Can you tell them about that, the Semac Pop project that you we met on? Yeah, so... Me and a couple buddies were doing a project called Cinematic Pop. We were looking for some vocalists that were here local in the area that had a unique style. And so we we tried a few different people that we'd kind of heard of and didn't have a whole lot of success with dealing with managers and stuff. And so uh, I got on Facebook one day just to see who, like, there were people around that I didn't know of. And Spencer came up. And so I listened to some of his stuff and thought his voice sounded pretty cool. So we contacted him and came over to the house to sing. And he started singing one song, and I didn't have to really hear much more. I was like... Yeah, he's who I need, but I made him keep singing anyway, just, you know, to try him out. But um, so we started working together on that project. That was about two years ago. And yeah. um, after we finished that, we kind of started just playing some other stuff. And ultimately, he was releasing an EP, and he just asked me to kind of listen to it and give some feedback. They, were, they had done some, all the recording and stuff, but hadn't really done the mixing and stuff yet. And so brought it into the studio, and I had too many suggestions, and that's how oh, great. <laughs> yeah. that's how things kind of... Yeah. City of angels and ghosts I called you, we still don't feel close my love, you're not far away. You feel so far away to me. There are some orchestral elements, because on iTunes, you guys are listed under alternative. Yeah. So what made you guys decide to add orchestra in it? It's funny, working on that first project that, uh, that Rob and I met on, it, had, it was like a full orchestra. And the idea was to take pop songs and put a full orchestra with it. So when I went into, after doing that, when I went in to record that EP, I, I, instead of thinking, oh, I want a guitar here, I thought it'd be cool to have a cello here playing that, right? 
but I didn't know how to do it right. Like I didn't, it, I just had the idea, but I couldn't deliver on it. And then when Rob came in to, to help make that happen, it, I think it, it, it all brought it together. So uh, it was just, it was weird. It was kind of a real natural thing to say, you know, because I'd worked on that other thing with Rob, I was just like, this needs strings rather than a guitar right here, you know, that kind of thing. So that's kind of how that happened, I guess. Talking about the business side of that, how have you guys, I guess, financially prepared? Good question. Good question. We went to, um, to we were able to go to, to London and fund a 10-date small tour, partially on some of the, because we had some other projects that we were yeah. going there for, too. So, uh, but what would your thoughts be on that? Um, I mean, I'm involved with a number of projects, and so, like Spencer was saying, a lot of times it can be like, hey, we're recording an album with the London Symphony in London in October. Why don't we tie in this Red Hill tour into it? And so, um, you know, I've been lucky to be to be kind of blessed with some some financial resources through a lot of the projects I've been working on. So going back to that tour in London, you guys went last year? Yeah, it? it's been about, I think, just uh, almost exactly a year. year. Yeah, yeah, it was almost exactly a year ago that we went. How was that? Give us a little bit on that. It was awesome. It was, uh, yeah, I'd never been to, to Europe before, and it was uh, it was a little bit of culture shock because I just came from a, I grew up in a small town in, in North Carolina, you know, going around London and, and playing at these different places. Some of the places had some pretty crazy history too, like U2 had played there when they were really, like back in the 70s, and Ed Sheeran had played at one of the places we played called The Bedford and done a live album there and uh more recently did people pay yeah they actually in london at right now um kind of rough for the musicians the way that their currency is and everything it's just it's talking to some of the guys who played with us out there and stuff it was just like there was not a lot of money going around i think that was kind of a bummer for them we didn't really weren't really worried about it but like they said like you know it was kind of yeah there were tons of playing opportunities over there but there's not a lot of money in fact what we found out is they call it busking over there, street playing, and um, they have a, they're really open to it. There, the mayor passed some ordinances years ago that you can play anywhere, and you don't have to get a permit. You don't have to get a permit in the in the underground system. So, I mean, one day just for fun, Spencer. Well, we were doing up, a video, right? Oh, that's right. We were, we were shooting a video. So Spencer, like we got Spencer bought a, like a little portable amp, and we went to we just found some spot and set up to just shoot this video and play. And we made more money there in those couple of hours than we did at any show. Like right. we were just tossing money in and stopping with. So it was like, oh, this is how you do things. But it was also kind of an epiphany that I have always there because I thought there's so much music going on over there and so many really good people that like I swore if Adele wasn't Adele and she was standing on the corner and playing, people would walk past her. Like they might stop and listen for a second, but it's not like, you know, you people have these dreams of like, I'm going to get discovered because I'm so talented. And maybe that happens like once in a blue moon, but like, there's just so much talent out there that you really have to like fight and also just really distinguish yourself. What's different from everybody else? So how do you guys promote yourself? Mainly it was through Google AdWords and Facebook advertising. It's actually pretty amazing. Um, and I, we don't work for Facebook, but it also you know works with Instagram. But you can be so fine-tuned about what people have liked. And I mean, to the point where like, so for instance, say, well, I'll use the example of our the group that we were talking about earlier where we met, Cinematic Pop, it's an orchestra, and we do pop music. So say we're covering the song Hallelujah. 
um, by Leonard Cohen. You can get a specific, and we're doing, and say we're doing a show here in Arizona. So you can get as specific as people that live in Arizona, or you can get as specific as Phoenix or Gilbert or whatever, a 50-mile radius of Mesa, at the Mesa Art Center, who've also liked the song Hallelujah, who also like the Phoenix Symphony. And it will find those things and be like, okay, there are 4,000 people who are like this. Would you say, okay, well, I wanted like a million people, but actually you want to get the smaller because then those people are so targeted. It's like every single person on that list lives in that area, they love the song Hallelujah enough to like it on Facebook, and they love the Phoenix Symphony, which means they like symphony music, which means they probably went to a Phoenix Symphony show. So then you could market to these people and say, here's this song Hallelujah recorded by members of the Phoenix Symphony, and it's on Spotify, which means the person's not paying anything to listen to it, right? They've already paid the $9 a month or whatever, and so they click over on So you, t- you can get really targeted, and that's where we found. Yeah, I think one tricky thing is to go from selling seats, like to sell seats at the Mace Arts Center, and then next month to say okay we're having a free show at the coffee house not that it's you know it's going to sound better at the mace art center or whatever but i think for people buying tickets it would be it can be kind of frustrating be like why would i just paid you know 25 dollars to go to their show at the mace art center why i should just waited and gone to see them at the coffee shop because it's free what i've seen is if you could do things to build excitement without making your fans who went to the last thing feel like they've been duped or whatever so when we played the last couple of shows that we did locally that were smaller we marketed them as a pop-up show or a secret show so on the day of we sent out text messages and and you know posted instagram stories and stuff and encouraged our friends and stuff to tell tell their friends to come so the fan base here in arizona um i guess what specific towns or cities have you guys found your most fans in i guess probably in like in mesa and gilbert and chandler right now of course that's when we've where we've done we've done most of our shows at the mesa the big shows we've done at the mesa art center because it's a great venue but that's not necessarily to say that the people coming are living that's in true. mesa and stuff but that's true. but east valley for sure and i mean i grew up in mesa so um, Spencer, like you said, grew up in North Carolina. So there, for me at least, there's kind of it's an easier pool of. Although, I mean, I hope my family's not listening, but I love my family to come to shows, but it doesn't feel special if they do because they're going to come even if it's bad, right? So like, <laughs> or like, or like people that I grew up with, you want to feel like people becoming are actual fans and not just coming out of obligation, right? So it's that's why I was kind of you know it's always cool to do shows and be like I didn't know anyone in the audience, you know, except for my mom who of course was there. Um, just offended all of our friends. I know. Sorry, I, it's not. I love them, you know. But it's even better when your friends are your fans, you know. But um, so I. But I. I would just to say, like, it's easier to start kind of where you already know people, and they might come out of obligation that first time, but then hopefully the next time they come because they love your music and not just because they love you. That's beautiful. That's sweet. <laughs> I remember days. I remember days. She was my endless summer. We'd like to thank Red Hill for joining us on In Focus. Connect with the band on social media or at their website, redhillthebandcom
Thank you for listening to Season 2, Episode 2 of In Focus. In Focus is a podcast produced by Cronkite News in association with Arizona PBS. I'm Jessica Bertram. I'm Maddie Mosley. And I'm Bailey Grant. Our opening song is Take You Home Tonight by Vibe Tracks, and our closing song is Scarlet Fire by Otis McDonald. 